0: Tonight, the North Korean hackers going even further. This was just the
1: latest in a series of leaks.
2: 143 million
3: Americans, one of the largest cyber attacks in this country's history. Estimated losses from these
4: breaches in excess of $20 billion.
0: Hello and welcome back to Decrypted, a cybersecurity podcast for the Everyday American. I'm your friendly neighborhood cyberman, Jacob Asida, and I'm joined as always by my cyber partner in crime,
5: Dayton Williams. Jacob, I'm glad your flight was okay.
0: Yeah, it's good to be back. Today is a special episode because we will be giving you a live tour of DEFCON.
6: Ooh.
0: Yeah, kind of going behind the scenes into the underbelly of the hacking and cybersecurity community. This is a good opportunity for our listeners to get acquainted with the type of people that work in this field and kind of reveal some of the mystique of the hacker.
5: Right, right. So for those for those of us who don't know, uh, what is DEF How long has it been going on and where did you go? This is DEF
0: CON 26, so it's the 26th DEF CON. It is 2018, you can do the math, 1992, uh, technically.
5: Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. So DEF CON is a kind of a cybersecurity hacking convention. More on that, generally on the side of like the hacker convention. It, there's a lot of things that go on in it. You know, we've we've kind of hinted at it before. You know, I mentioned that there was car hacking in the past and election hacking. That only scratches some of the surface. Other things that go on there are capture the flag type battles in terms of computer science, but also capture the flag in playing uh, Team Fortress 2. Oh, Ooh, yes. There's also, you know, bug contests where people try to hack into something. There's... Classes to teach you how to lockpick. There's classes to teach you how to conceal evidence. There's a lot of things going on at the convention. Honestly,
5: all oh, right. And so is it like there's like a lockpicking booth and there's a you know a capture the flag booth or like how is it laid out? What's the structure of it all? Well, it's all over the place.
0: It's in Vegas, as you you will probably hear from the just the sheer number of people there. But uh, it's it's you know it's laid out in a, in Caesar's Palace Hotel. So it's all over the place. It's all spread out, and these places are basically organized by villages. And each village tends to have someone who's more of an expert on the subject matter or maybe multiple experts. Sometimes they have like a panel of speakers that rotates through. Other times it's just, you know, people at desks and you can kind of go up to them. Uh, it differed slightly, at least my, from my experience last year, which was a little bit. Uh, some of the villages were organized a little bit differently and you were able to just go kind of go up to them and just practice. But, uh, you know, it, it wasn't exactly like that this year, or at least not to what I went to this year.
5: Mm-hmm. so what was one of the some of the standout attractions that you got to experience and see
0: well I uh, I went to the Internet of things uh, village I went to the artificial intelligence village I went to the social engineering village so you know each of them has kind of a different flavor um I, I went to some other villages as well those mm-hmm. are just some of the more standout ones the mm-hmm. AI one was more speaking mm-hmm Um, The Internet of Things, one, was more people actively hacking and the social engineering was kind of a mix.
5: Right. I imagine when you entered the social engineering village, a man came up to you and told you that he was a Nigerian prince and asked for your social security number.
0: Yeah. Well, you have to provide that to get in. (laughs) So, I mean, I did. But, you know, okay. now you're making me question that. Yeah. So there's a there's a degree of, you know, there's a kind of like a infamousness to DEF CON that the idea is you don't I mean, first off, you don't you don't use a credit card to get in. You know, you have to pay cash. There's no record of, you know, you really being there. Uh, And And I think... Is that intentional? I think it is intentional. Also, I think the idea of the security of having to process credit card transactions with so many people in the field, Mm -hmm. you don't really know who's who's who. But, you know, as you'll come to see in the course of, you know, the people we interviewed, I think, you know, there's a degree of a misconception about the type of people there and how malicious these people really are. I think they treat this more as like a, you know, they treat this as an opportunity to really get together rather than just trying to... You know, pick on each other. Yeah, it's a it's a very social event. You know, you you can easily walk up to somebody, start talking to them. Um, you know, anyone's almost willing to talk to you, which is a very nice thing about it. You know, you the hap, uh, hackers and cybersecurity guys, they get a bad rep as kind of being like anti social, but actually, people there incredibly friendly. You know, easy to sit down. You just see somebody sitting outside, you can sit down next to them, start talking. You'll find an amazing story from almost anyone you talk to.
5: Right, right. So who are some of these people that you sat down and talked to? Well,
0: let's go and find out. Hello, I'm here with Jen here at DEF CON. So, are you work in the field of cybersecurity, or are you interested in the field? So, what brings you to DEF CON?
7: Um, for the most part, this is my first year, and I had an employer, you know, kind of give me the funding to come to both Black Hat and DEF CON, and I just accepted the offer since it seemed like a really great time.
0: I know, that feels, that's very much the same thing with me, actually. Really? <laughs> that's great. So, you know, you've been here hopefully for a couple of days, hopefully this is not your first day like
7: me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The number one thing, it's its not really been like one big thing, but like a lot of little things. Um, one of my uh, favorite professors in college, um, Christopher Domas, if anyone recognizes um, that name, he had a few panels in both um, Black Hat and CON that were really, really exciting in my opinion. They were about kind of, I actually can't really summarize it in just like a really sentence or two, but there have been some really exciting panels. Um, I went to a few of the villages, the election hacking village was really exciting. I um, just... Um, I would definitely say if there's one big thing, it's that paper ballots were the best. Um, anonymity would be ideal, and that's not something you have with paper ballots, but there's basically everything wrong in the world if, when you don't have those. And some of the machines that I've looked at dating from about 2008-ish to 2015, they've been really, really vulnerable. Um, recent machines, um, I had, had seen someone actually dump a uh, SQL database and there were plain text passwords everywhere. There was all sorts of crazy stuff there. And then on um, an even older machine, 2008, I actually just came back from um, seeing somebody modify the um, back-end questions and information and in what's being asked. And to my surprise, I saw in place of what should be a map, it was a picture of Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. And it was it was just... Yeah, on the voting machine is was a two thousand and eight one. Yes, it was.
2: Wow, awesome! That's exciting.
7: Yeah, I am. I'm going to be posting that everywhere. That's it's really funny. <laughs> I think that it's really hard to honestly generalize everybody here, like there's some people, I'd say there's a very great handful who might be kind of more on the punkish kind of um, perspective. They might, you know, really, you know, hate all sense of authority. They might, you know, really hate, you know, the government's role in surveillance and and all that stuff. And then a lot of them, you know, have the funding to actually go here because of working, you know, for the government and for, you know, the same things that the others might dislike. So I don't really see any real hard conflict at all and I haven't seen any yet yet at least but there's there's definitely no easy generalization to make especially like on the political field I've seen you know definitely a bit of each side it's I want to generalize and I kind of just can't (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
7: yeah I would say that um, some people might want to generalize and say you know they're all kind of you know Anarch anarchists, and they might, you know, just want to not really care for the rules at all. But a lot of them are kind of more white hat, and actually, really do have a lot of ethics in what they do. So, like you have like people like the EFF um, on the more white. I guess it's, there's a lot of gray area actually. Now that I think about it, with like what you describe as ethical, and it's, it's just really, really hard to generalize.
0: Thank you so much, Jen, for uh, taking the time to speak with me. I really enjoyed
3: getting to talk with you.
7: So Frank, uh, what,
0: what do you do in cybersecurity? Uh,
3: I work at a company and I implement cybersecurity tools and architecture around them, and I write policy. It's pretty interesting.
0: So, you know, if i here to DEF CON, what is your what was your goal coming here this
3: year? Um, see more red team side of things since I work on the blue team side of things.
0: Have you found any particularly interesting, like red team revelations, here at DefCon? Any good takeaways for the listeners?
3: Uh, the biggest thing is how easy everything is to hack. I knew it was easy, but not as easy as across the board easy for every tool I see. So you were speaking to me that you went to a,
0: a panel for, like, the legal aspects behind like cyber intrusions. Yes. Uh, could you just speak a little bit
7: about that?
3: Um, yeah, they talked about how a lot of the tools that are used by law enforcement are audited very well. Um, they're not. Re- the source code's not released. The security researchers are not allowed to like actually even know what some of the tools are, but they're using those as evidence in prosecution, which is just crazy. Do you think there's like an issue of like
0: uh, politicians and legislators not understanding the technology, and that's why there have, hasn't been like these investigations or protections?
3: Um, I think that's fair. I would say yes. Okay. Do I think you- a good talk is tomorrow morning. One of the congressman's having a talk tomorrow. Yes, I saw that. That looked really excellent. I highly recommend that. Can I ask you where you got that? It's about a 20-minute walk across the street at Harris. Oh, yeah. I was excited. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Cool. Uh, So, what is, is, like, one thing you think people misunderstand about the field that you wish people did understand? We're on
3: your side. We're on your side. We're here to help protect you and help you out. Everyone's kind of scared of hackers and stuff. You kind of notice that with the hotels telling so you not to jump on Wi-Fi and everything. But, but for the again, most part, 98, 98% of us are here on your side. That's good to
0: hear. Yeah. I think that's a big misconception about this entire event. Yes. So thank you so much for joining me, Frank. I really yeah.
8: appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining me, Robert. Yeah, not a problem.
2: So, uh, Robert, what do you do in
8: cybersecurity? I'm the uh, director of technology for a group of uh, public libraries. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, well, this is actually my third time at uh DEF CON. And uh, he, I was sort of more involved in the security field directly when I was first here, which would have been ten years ago. Uh, so you've done here for a while. yeah, yeah. And uh, now I'm uh, I, you know, as the instructor of technology, it's um, I do a lot more paperwork. I'm a little bit less directly involved. Yeah, managing a lot of people, the <laughs> of <laughs> Uh, i'm i 'm the paper pusher side of things the the box checker <laughs> side of things though, you know? yeah absolutely but um one of the the reasons i 'm here is is that uh partially on the personal side being a little bit more removed f- from it directly i don 't have as much uh time to kind of explore the field and this is an easy opportunity to see the full scope of things especially yeah. with the uh, was it like fifteen it's villages or something yeah <laughs> Uh, The other bit, which is on the sort of the professional side, is that uh, amongst professional libraries or public libraries, um, the sort of the threat landscape, for lack of a better term, is is changing a little bit because, of course, everyone sort of thinks of book check-in and book check-out, which is not necessarily high-risk data per se, although it is legally protected. But uh, as we do more social services, we're starting to be more involved in things like um, providing people with counseling, and now you're starting to get into like medical information, and so our sort of risk atmosphere is changing, and that's another reason why, of course, I'm here. So,
2: that's great. Have you, you know, you've
0: been here for a couple of days, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Long
8: days. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's
0: nice. <laughs> but, uh, so what has been your major takeaway from this year's DEFCON?
8: Oh uh, well. I, um, as, as it always is, just the sheer scope of the fields, um, it's always easy to think that it's... Um, I, I just was in the presentation maybe an hour ago of um, Bluetooth hacking, which is yeah. uh, sort of your classic breaking into things, hijacking, but... Uh, Anything
6: particularly interesting from that uh, panel?
8: <laughs> How easy it is.
6: <laughs>
8: <laughs> well, and yesterday there was one about uh, banking security, which I, I already sort of knew was kind of terrible but uh when when you see it sort of in front of you in a live kind of demonstration be like wow okay uh that's awful um (laughs) (laughs) but uh on the other hand the the sort of the, the sheer amount of people and the enthusiasm and and you do see progress uh in many ways um is is heartwarming in a weird way but certainly enthusiastic um, and just again like that the, the scope of, of what we're talking about everything from lockpicking to uh, the biohacking was sort of brand new to yeah. me i was only in there briefly but
5: yeah that's brand new to me as well i've, I've never seen that that's fascinating
8: right um and then if, would you
0: mind saying a few things about it Did, were you able to attend anything from
8: it uh i was really only to kind of a walk in and out on the yeah, uh right. on the, the biohacking Can you the one a bit yeah yeah sorry no no, no not a problem <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I would say the the biggest misconception, and this has actually come up a little bit when I've been standing in, like, the food court line, of course, you know, half the people have a badge, the other half don't, uh, and they're sort of, who are all of these badly shaven weirdos? Um <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, it's that classic mix- misconception that that hacking is fundamentally sort of an aggressive activity, and it's really an intellectual activity that has a tremendous societal benefit. Um, I, there's only one way to solve a problem: you have to find them. Right. Uh, <laughs> hacking was not the at not, not at all, um, and of course. I've actually gotten in the habit, and this is, again, partly because of, of where I work professionally. I don't call it a hacking conference. It's a security conference. Yeah, I mean, I work in government, so that's...
2: <laughs>
8: no, no. But uh, even even the folks who are classically sort of like red team activity, that is not, you know, it's not terrorism. It's it's not malicious. It's, it's not even sort of... Um, Destructive or graffiti-like, it's 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 ultimately an intellectual activity that has a societal benefit, and that is, I think, probably not generally known popularly. I think it's completely known amongst this audience, oh, but sure. uh, but outside of you know the however many thousands are here. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully
6: this interview gives a better sense of you know what, what the actual world of hackers is
0: like. Security
8: experts as much as A little bit, hopefully so. Well, thank you so much. Robert. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank absolutely. Thank you.
0: So, Khan, uh, I just attended your uh, village on AI hacking. Basically, you're talking about the, the vulnerabilities that exist in using machine learning techniques. A lot of people see that machine learning is being like the future for a lot of fields, including cybersecurity. Uh, so, would you mind just giving like a very short overview about like what you see as the issue and security vulnerabilities of machine learning techniques?
2: Okay, so uh, this first uh, is like a personal, maybe biased, all painting. So, I'm a researcher in the cybersecurity field, and when I look at the recent research on the AI and the security, I have seen lots of uh, work in the adversary machine learning. Uh, But I feel like, you know, it's an important topic, but that's not the only threat faced by the AI application. I feel like people didn't pay enough attention or should pay more attention on the software security itself. So I basically feel like there are lots of problems in the implementation and my talk basically show a few examples that you can easily attack a image classification system by messing up the data.
0: Too much focus on just going straight for AI without actually thinking about if the AI itself is secure. Yes. A lot of that. I'm going to actually steal a question that somebody asked in the conference. I thought it was an excellent one. So a lot of the people who work with machine learning um, are data scientists. Right. So how do, how do we get them to think about cybersecurity and getting their software to be secure?
2: Right, so again maybe uh, I would say the really uh, important thing is when you think about a real system, you need to pay a de- attention more than just the uh, algorithm implementation. Uh, you need to think about the whole system, right? Because lots of things works at algorithm level, but when you put it into a real system, the implementation matters a lot. And uh, if there's a problem in the implementation, then even you have a fancy, you know, really clever algorithm, your whole system can still be broke by unexpected way. So that's why I feel like you better really find a good programmer to collaborate. Well,
0: find we'll <laughs> thank you so much for helping me here,
4: yeah. con Okay. Enjoy the rest of the conference.
0: Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for joining me, Nick. I appreciate you taking the time. So uh, what
4: brings you to DuckCon? Uh, a lot of things. I mean, I'd be here no matter what, but this year I had a book signing and I have two talks. So... Uh, really busy, stressful, but when i 'm not doing that, trying to catch some talks, hit some villages, have some fun, yeah, uh, game hacking, developing autonomous bots for online games yeah it 's fun so it 's a book written for people with like C or c plus plus experience, but don 't know anything about hacking, um, and it takes them through, okay, so you have some coding experience. Let's look at some tools you might use to reverse engineer games, scan memory. Let's look at what code looks like at a low level, so looking at assembly code and how memory is laid out. And then how can we attack that for the purpose of automating games. So injecting code, hooking functions, calling into functions in games, modifying memory, a little bit about getting around anti-cheat, and then some tricks for automation, some control theory stuff in there and how you can kind of do this weird uncanny mashup of like control theory with state machines and make a kind of interesting feedback loop for writing bots, stuff like that. So I'm self-educated. Uh, there's a game that I played back in the day and a bunch of reverse engineers reverse engineered the network protocol and implemented an open source version of the server. And then in that server they had uh, Lua, which is embeddable scripting language which you could use to like make monsters and quests and change how items work and make your own spells. And I got into that when I was like 11, a game called Tibia. No one's ever heard of this game. So yeah, it's big in like Brazil and Sweden and that's it. And it's not big anymore. So, but yeah, uh, I got into writing scripts for that and then got into hacking that game, which led to the book really. Yeah. Thanks. So I've been hitting some different talks related uh, to my field. So I am, uh, work at an endpoint security company, uh, Silence. So I've been trying to hit talks related to malware and stuff like packing, unpacking stuff. Stuff like uh, there was one about malware implanting that I wanted to go to and I was leaving my book signing. I walked in there during the last slide, so that was sad. I got to go see some really cool talks at Black Hat as well. One really scary one on hacking medical devices where like they're pushing updates to these things unsigned over HTTP and they're like lying to the FDA and saying they reproduced researchers results when they never did. And they're, they're Yeah, they're pushing unsecured updates to, like insulin pumps and uh, pacemakers. That was super scary, man. Yeah, that's probably the scariest takeaway I have so far. It was my first time hitting Black Hat, and people do tend to talk more about that kind of stuff at Black Hat than Def Con. Def Con's more of like a people just talking about everything under the sun, rather than going specifically after medical devices and calling out companies. So,
0: yeah.
5: I mean,
4: I've made bots here and there, but uh, nothing like really crazy. Do you
5: have any,
0: like, the, about, like, the use of bots online or like, the that they pose in terms of like, cyber online, in, in terms of like, how bots can affect the
4: human element? Oh man, I have tons of opinions on that. Not just how they can affect humans online, but looking at the workforce as well. Sure. I mean, especially there's a lot of work online that can be taken over by bots. and like building on that we're getting to the point where we're almost at like the uncanny valley for like twitter bots for instance or like what happened and every, what everyone's talking about with the election the uncanny valley is like if you're talking about like animation or something like that is a concept of something looking almost real but really creepy because it's not quite there and in terms of bots I think they kind of take on the same thing like you'll see stuff and for a while you think it's real but then you'll start to recognize it as bots and it just becomes so creepy because they're spamming things that seem super relevant to what they're talking about and if you're not plugged into that then you're probably being fooled by it you know Yeah, I mean it's that that's pretty scary but it's also really cool. It's showing not only where we're coming with like distributed computing and being able to pull down multiple different API sources to decide where to post and all this crazy stuff coming together and culminating in probably just a hundred line python script or something, but also like how we can use natural language processing and machine learning to make these things and have actual, real impact on people's opinions online, which is, it's scary and cool.
0: So, if you had your, like, so this is the last question, you know, if you had to think about, like, one thing that's a misconception about people that attend the conference, or maybe about cybersecurity in general, what would it be, and
2: how would you, how would you describe it, actually?
4: I would say this community is, like, super diverse, there's a lot of different mindsets here, a lot of people might think that hackers are, like, the fuck the system attitude, um, or they might think, like, the feds that are coming here are only here to catch hackers. But both of those are, like, extreme characterizations of just two stereotypes. And if you look around, there's people working at car companies, there's people working at game companies, there's people working for the government, but they're pretty chill. They're not, like, stuck-up feds like everyone would have you think. And there, there are people who are anti-government, anti-establishment, and are really kind of like the old-school punk rock style of hacker but it all kind of meshes together and everyone's way more friendly than you might expect. At least from what I've seen, there's a lot less conflict than you might expect between those different groups. And it's a really interesting place to come and just kinda of see that all mesh together and people share ideas. Yeah, that seems to be
0: the case. Like, a lot of people seem to share your sentence. So that's good
4: to hear actually. Cool. I'm glad other people see it the same way and I'm not just talking out of my ass. Thank you so much for yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right,
0: I am joined by Fluffy and Tedek here uh, at DEFCON. So first off, what brings you guys to DEFCON this year?
9: Uh, We're here to learn more about the field that we're in. We're both uh, security researchers and enthusiasts, and it's always good to see the landscape and learn more about the field that we're in. Yeah, and it's always just nice to be
6: surrounded by so many people that have a common interest with you. You uh, I went to my first DEFCON last year, and it was just amazing how friendly everyone was and how much you could learn from the people standing next to you in line while you were waiting for talks. And it was just a really cool vibe, really cool environment.
0: So were both of you guys trained
9: in cybersecurity? How'd you guys get into it? Did you you know take it to university or self-taught? Yeah, we're, we're actually acquaintances from school. So uh, we've, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, we did master's uh, stuff. So I won't say where, but. Um. Yeah. That being said, there was never really
6: a program until fairly recently for security at our school. So a lot of it was self-taught. Not a lot of training. Uh, I went to school for computer programming, learned a lot about software engineering, and then just hacked on things, took them apart, tried to break them in my own time to learn the um, security field.
0: Well, your own backgrounds are quite similar to mine, actually. In that case, yeah. I'm also a master's student, but I'm still doing my degree. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> so, you know, what are, you guys have been here for a couple of days. What is your major takeaway from this year's Def Con? What do you see as like the emergent threat that we
9: should all be worried about, or maybe just something you, cool that you learned while you're here? Yeah, you know, I've been kind of trying to think of that myself uh, since I'm, you know, a lot of the talks are kind of all over the place on all sorts of everything, really. I actually wouldn't say there isn't a hot button issue this year. A couple years ago would have been ransomware and, you know, before that, you know, crypto jackers or whatnot. But uh, I'd say for this year, the big takeaway for me is that um, to be good at security, you have to know everything around you. If you're you can't just focus on one specific silo, you have to know other areas to really widen what you can uh, know about and search and uh, you can't just be in one silo, is what I'd say. I think one of the uh, hot topics I keep
6: seeing over and over again are um, IoT and health systems, like hospitals and stuff. It's not exactly a new problem, but it's definitely a really big problem. I guess a greater theme of how do we convince convince vendors, manufacturers, developers to start including security at the beginning of things. Because I went to a really interesting talk um, where a woman told us about her pacemaker and that it was running embedded Windows XP. Oh my gosh. And she would just practice hacking away on it and seeing what she could do. And I'm like, that's horrifying. You can't upgrade from that. On her
0: own pacemaker?
6: Yeah. (laughs) That's terrifying. It's crazy. But, um... Yeah, a lot of areas of industry need to catch up to security standards, slash we need
9: to make security standards. Mm. I think I'd agree with him. Uh, IoT is definitely for real. I just don't attend those talks because they kind of go over my head. One thing that I can think of now is uh, the human element is one of the weakest things that keeps getting exploited. We've seen a lot of good social engineering talks and humans are always the center of technology i think that's something that always needs more security around it any particular like social engineering things people should be aware of or anything you got from that yeah um make strong passwords and always be wary if you are in a situation someone comes up to you being nicer than you'd expect them to
0: kind of like how i came up to you and said hey how's it going
9: and are now holding a microphone to us and we're (laughs) saying our words exactly like that Thank you so much. Uh, So one last thing just to leave you guys on. So what
0: do you guys think is a misconception people have about people that attend this conference or cybersecurity in general?
6: I'd say misconception about cybersecurity in general. um, People imagine hacking being like in the movies. Like if a hospital or a giant corporation gets hacked, someone must have snuck in through the air vents and plugged in their own malware and download it no one no one really talks about uh, or no one knows we talk about um that it's more often than not someone clicked on a bad link and just got the same old wanna cry that has been a problem for many 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 months now and shouldn't have been a problem and it's always the low-hanging fruit so as much as i love coming to defcon and learning about these really crazy um vulnerabilities where people bend over backwards and manage to control their car through their entertainment system remotely, those are awesome. Those aren't what happen in industry and those aren't what we really need to be defending against, not until we secure the basics.
9: And I would say for me, it's as someone who tried to submit a paper for a couple of different places here at DEF CON, it's really that... The people here are not just breaking into things for the sake of breaking into things, it's that we want to make things more secure for everyone. As the smart people, we want to be the responsible ones here, and we just want the stuff we use to also be secure, and that's what we want to share. Thank you so much, Fluffy and uh, Thetic. I really appreciate you having you on. For sure, thanks, man.
1: I come every year, and um, she is my guest this year. Uh, as she was last year. Uh, she's also interested in the hacking aspect. Cool. So how long have you guys been in the cybersecurity domain? What got you into it? And you know, were you like, formally trained or did you were on your own? Uh, I've been doing it for a while. Uh, I work in it now, but I started out as um, a black hat hacker, sort of, just exploring systems on my own. Maybe more of a gray hat. So of the panel Um, Definitely the Sky Talks over at the Flamingo. Um, They seem to have the best talks. Okay. Um, Well, they're talks that are not recorded whatsoever, so it's like the B-Sides underground track. Um, Basically, you get the same information that you can get elsewhere, except maybe more in-depth, things that people might not want to go public with yet, uh, things that could possibly get them sued, uh, arrested, Depending on you know their home government, uh, things like that. So there's no recording allowed.
0: That's fair. Uh, I will, I'll ask the stupid question. Is there anything that you can say about it?
1: I can say that I've seen some really interesting talks there this week.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm excited to see what uh, what actually comes out of that in a couple of years. That I'm sure it'll be down the pipeline. You know, uh, what, what particular talks were of interest to you? In, in you know, is there like a certain area of cybersecurity
2: that is of interest?
1: Um, I enjoy. Different talks on different subjects, which is maybe a vague answer. But I like going to, yeah, I, I like going to talks that uh, I don't have any experience with because I like to learn new things. That's
0: cool. uh, is there any in particular that you would have anything to
1: speak about? Um, the cow hacking one was kind of interesting, but I can't say any more about that. It was uh, it was quite interesting, yes.
0: So, uh, what, is, uh, what is a misconception people have about
9: you know, the, the people who attend this event and just cybersecurity in general, do you feel? Uh,
1: I think one of the biggest misconceptions of DEF CON in general is that it is completely hostile, that you have to use a burner phone and burner shoes, I think, as we saw somebody mentioning on, on Twitter, uh, as a joke. But it's really not that bad. People are hacking. People are not generally trying to be malicious. But uh, and we got some people zooming by here. <laughs> Sorry, that was, uh, that was the first goon uh, at DevCon ever. The very first goon. <laughs> um, I think the, the conception that it, this is completely hostile is a little bit misguided. Um, of course, I teach my people how to be careful, not necessarily with burn phones, but you know, turn off your, your wireless if you're not using it. Turn off Bluetooth, don't accept random tls certificates that come through because those are always malicious but that's because we want to give an overabundance of caution sometimes so uh i mean the network's really not that hostile um i think i came last year with a phone that had been two years out of date uh had known vulnerabilities and i was connecting to my bank's website to make sure i had enough money to, to cover you know food before my hotel bill came in uh it's really and i had no problems
0: so I'll end with this last question. You know, a lot of our listeners—they're just everyday people. They don't always know a ton about the field. Is there anything that you think that every person should know about
1: cybersecurity? Essentially, it's uh, it's accessible to anybody who is willing to learn. Um, I don't think it's any kind of black magic. A lot of people think it is. A lot of people think that you have to know everything, but uh, the fact is, you just have to know. You know, you have to be curious and you have to be willing to learn, and that's it. That's all you need to break into
5: cybersecurity.
9: Thank you
1: of course, thank you.
5: I was just going to say something about what you were saying just now. Like in Chris's talk earlier in Sky Talks, he was sort of laying that the blame of people not feeling like cybersecurity was approachable on the industry doing a poor job of making itself approachable and doing a poor job of making people feel like they could understand it. Um,
3: yeah. mm-hmm.
0: So one of the things i like to comment on and what you'll notice um, was, you know, there's a a lot of people that went to DEF CON this year. You know, there's a lot of people that go to DEF CON every year. Every year it seems to be increasing. Uh, And from like a surface level, there's, uh, you know, it seems a fairly diverse crowd. I mean, you do notice a slight, you know, there's obviously more men in the field than women, which I think is a Mm -hmm. little, you know, it's a little disappointing. But I,
5: I think it's growing. To have more women in the field, at least, is there are there any like movements or initiatives by CON to attract more women, or is it more of just a field d- demographics thing, like we've discussed in the past?
0: So I'm not aware of any CON initiatives, though there might be some. There's a lot of initiatives, you know, out there, and some people that uh, carry them with them, you know, to you know bring more women into the fold, which is great. You know, it's better diversity of thought into the field, and it helps break down a male-dominated field anyway.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so sure. out of out of the people that we that we just heard. Who was the person you interviewed that you, you thought you learned the most from, or you thought was one of the most engaging or interesting people you've interviewed?
0: Well, the uh, last person who spoke to us, who went by the name, I believe, Legion. He was uh, he was you know a defcon. He's been there for a while. You know, he's not the oldest person there. You know, but uh, he gave me some interesting stories about some of the kind of other aspects of the convention called something called Sky Talks, mm-hmm. which are talks that are not recorded. They're interesting panels. He I think he believed he hinted at what one of them was which I can talk a little bit about just in Vega Trees, uh which was cow hacking. Cow hacking? Yeah, kind of a crazy thing. Uh-huh. So basically the idea that I would describe cow hacking as modern-day cattle wrestling, if you wanted to uh, really think about it. No, like messing with chips that are put in them? Yes, you, wow. got, you caught on to that way faster than I did. I didn't, oh, think, geez. I didn't think there would be RFID chips oh, in, yeah. in cows, yeah. but you know well, what? There
5: are. I come from Mississippi. I know all about agribusiness.
0: Well, then you would be well <laughs> welcome, because that is a niche area of the convention that people don't think about.
5: Wow, that's so cool. And so they they change the RFID chips and then just take the, yeah, they the steal cows?
0: cows? Yeah, they steal cows. Yeah, they can pretend like the cow is still in a regular spot, but they could steal the cow. Oh, wow. There's a lot of things like that. I mean, you, you know, in previous years, I mean, a lot of things have computers in them that you don't realize. You yeah. know, tractors have computers in them, for right. instance, you know, and... You maybe have seen some hubbub on the news about the fact of the software is proprietary, and they don't want you touching it. If something goes wrong, you have to hire an expert to come in and fix it. But actually, it's quite easy to mess around with it. There's just a USB port, and you plug in, and you can control the entire tractor.
5: Right, right. Did you see that that Vice thing about tractor hacking too? No. No? Oh, okay. We'll have to link it or something. I don't. Know, oh, but, please,
0: I'd love to. Could uh, you just give we'll, a little we'll, overview of it?
5: We'll we'll tweet it out. But essentially, oh, sure. it's it's this. Uh, it centers around this um, conflict between owners of tractors and the companies that sell them and yeah, like I mean. as you said they were proprietary and so they can't make changes to fit their needs or to mm-hmm. fit their their growing habits and so there's this battle legal battle between the people who actually own the tractors and the people who own the the technology that runs the tractors mm-hmm. and it goes into a much larger debate about do we really own anything yeah and you know, is the software that that we're that we're renting really from them? Mm. Do we have any say in how we use it over what they say we can use it as? Right. Um, so it's it's pretty cool, but it's so wild that um, like, RFA, like hacking chips and cows is so funny to me. <laughs> so okay, here's a big question: What with having to pay in cash and everyone using pseudonyms and like things not being recorded, it seems that there's a lot of this um like anonymity still involved as if you would be online in the first place. So what do you think is the rationale behind that? And why do you think so many people are going through all these extra precautions not to be noticed?
0: So I think people enjoy living the mystique a little bit. Um, mm, yeah. I think there's like kind of like a recognition of like, you know, we kind of like to, to wear the, the label we get sometimes. Uh, for instance, one of the fun things, I mean, a, a kind of hacker stereotype is the hacker man who wears like a bunch of LED lights <laughs> all over them and then they have a fedora and also like a black trench coat. You see people like that, but they're not like, they're doing, I feel like they're doing it more ironically.
5: Right, right. Which is, or, which or, is fun. Or if you like Google search hacker yeah. and you go to images, it's always like a dude wearing a mask. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah oh,
0: totally. I mean, they think it's fun. It is legitimately yeah. fun. There's a, There's a booth that was giving people mohawks. It's just, it's just like an interesting time and people uh-huh. kind of like being in that culture. But, you know, there's also, you know, interest, you know, I mean, people have a legitimate, you know, threat of being doxxed or anything like that if they, right. you know, there are threats to actually to some people and, you know, those people won't reveal their names. Other people, one of the people we interviewed was a professor and, you know, he gave out his name and everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on the person. Right, right. So, one of the interesting things I'd say from a takeaway this year at DEF CON, last year... I think the two major things of interest for people were the election hacking which continued which, con- uh, which continued this year and also there was the car hacking where they brought in some you know actual cars that they hacked which was pretty cool. This year this year I felt there wasn't like as much of a theme. Mm-hmm. I feel like the theme if anything was en- everything. Right. You know that things are just getting so broad computers are in everything and focusing in on one area is kind of limiting us at this point. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to be a jack of all trades and a couple of our Guests or or a couple of our interviews kind
5: of indicated this as well. Mm-hmm. Well, so like it, like most conventions, there's a, there's probably an aspect of like trade show mm-hmm. to the convention as well. Did you see any products or things that were being sold or things that were being advertised that, that caught your eye or you thought were interesting?
0: Yeah. So every year there's always the vendor area where oh. you can just go and buy basically whatever you want. Uh, you know, it ranges from books. It's really surprising what goes on there. You know, you could just buy books for yourself for your own education. There's regular books that are just being sold that are kind of tangentially related to the field. There's uh, books and videos to teach your kids how to code and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There's areas where you're donating USBs to fight uh, fascism. Um, Oh, go into that. I'll post a picture of it. Uh, I believe it was, uh, maybe I'm messing this up, but uh, I believe it was, you know, you, you give these USBs, they wipe them and then they use those and they throw them into uh, North Korea
5: oh yeah yeah, yeah I, I know about this they, yes. they there's a south korean group that will attach them to to mm-hmm. balloons mm-hmm. and they'll fly up and the balloons will pop over korea and you
0: yeah. Know, they, yeah there's a donation stand for that uh oh, I'll, wow. I'll post a picture on the twitter
5: oh wow probably just it. like hundreds of usbs it's funny it.
0: actually it's a right. funny picture um it, basically there's kim jong-un faces and then you shove a usb in his mouth <laughs> um but yeah it's i mean they're they're always good you know they're funny right, people right you can also you know buy more malicious things there mm-hmm. i mean there's there's you know They sell hacking tools. They sell lockpicking tools. Some of the other things that pop in, you know, there's some more malicious things. You can just buy Mm -hmm. some stuff like Wi-Fi pineapples, you know. Right, right. You know, those are easy things. There's there's tons of stuff, um, rubber duckies, which are just uh, USBs that you plug in and basically makes you control the keyboard, Uh Uh, you know, tons of stuff like that. Uh, You know, a lot of it is toys to some degree. I don't want to make it sound like I'm like, oh, I am mighty above you. Uh, but no, like a lot of it is stuff that like you don't have to do much work with it. It works for you, you know, which is cool. I right. mean, it, you know, it, it kind of goes into the idea of how much hacking can, can be done by almost anybody these days.
5: Right, right. And it's interesting how how anyone could go to DEF and it's kind of democratized sure. how easy that kind of stuff is to get. Yeah. Um, out of curiosity, uh, when I think of hacking tool, the thing that I think of is like a spoofing antenna. Hmm. Um, they sell antennas too yeah oh yeah 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 i i i I was reading online about um these products you can buy online that you could like point at drones and it'll just knock them out of the sky nothing nothing surprises me at that convention honestly oh no no no
0: no there was a really cool one of the things that i really liked i just want to you know just talk about it i don't always take pictures of everything uh but you know somebody had like a little model train set Okay, and like had a model plane that was like acting like it was flying, and that's cool until you look a little bit behind it, and there's like a screen that shows uh, people trying to mess with those planes and trying. And you could see how the speed of the thing is changing. So basically, they're doing some critical infrastructure hacking, like live right there, trying to derail the train and trying to uh, crash yeah. the plane, right. which was kind of uh, interesting.
5: Yeah, well, like I'd imagine Defcom being this this mecca for hackers. I would imagine that. Like, if there's so many hackers concentrated in one place in a physical location, there's likely that things would be accessed that you didn't want to have access there by the hackers that are there, you know? So, like, has DEF CON itself been a victim of their oh, own yeah. clientele? Oh, sure. I mean, the you don't... You,
0: you enter their Wi-Fi network at your own risk. Right. Uh, I personally... As with many people, I turn my phone into airplane mode or don't bring it okay. if I can avoid it. But some people, I mean, you know, people will use mobile data because you want to be able to use the app to be able to see where everything is in the convention. But, you know, you know, you take your security, security is all about risk and how much risk you're willing to tolerate. Right. You could go to DEF CON without your laptop, without your computer, without anything. You're probably going to be pretty secure, you know, just go all cash. But, you know, it might make your life harder. So, you know, it's all about your tolerance for risk and how much you want to make life easier for you
5: at mm-hmm. times. Interesting. Returning to what you were you were talking uh, earlier about like more malicious things, mm-hmm. um, what is the feeling like when you're in this this convention space and there are people who to your left could be working to protect and kind of get get behind that biohacking and, and save someone's life compared to something who who's there to actively see how they can undermine security in that way?
0: Yeah, it's a weird mix of people. I mean, you know, there's a mix of people from the feds. There's a mix of uh hackers is a mix of people that are just in the private industry mm-hmm. uh private sector you know working in defense or whatever they're doing uh you know there's all sorts of people but uh i th- i think in older days they used to do like a thing where they try to be like ah oh, which one is uh which one is a fed you know which who's a spook or something and they would put up <laughs> a board of people that they suspect which is funny uh but right uh I don't know. It's. I mean, they. There's. Hasn't really been too much of an issue. Uh-huh. Well, at least being that I'm aware of.
5: being a veteran of two conferences now. Hardly. Um, hard- veteran is a yeah, is a strong word. Uh, I will continue using it. Um, being a veteran, um, could you be able to identify people who are there by their looks or appearance a lot?
0: I don't think I would feel super confident about that because you'd be surprised who you talk to. Uh.
5: I will say one thing
0: that I think is a very good advice for anyone who's ever considering going to Def Con. Besides just you know going up and talking to somebody. You know, if they don't want to talk to you, that's fine. You know, just go talk to somebody else. There's so many people that are willing to talk to you. But the people that tend to have a lot to say and have a lot of experience tend to have gray hair. And I think that's a good take home if you want to learn a little bit more about the history. Uh-huh. You know, you should look for people that are a little older that are, that have been there. They've probably been there for a while, you know, and they know quite a bit. They'll have a lot more stories. They might know the ropes of DEF CON a little bit more and they might have some better advice about where you should be going.
5: And I imagine you followed that advice when you were there, so... What kind of uh, stories do you recall that that someone passed on to you, Padawan, you know, master to Padawan?
0: One of the guys who appeared on was one of the people who started the Sky Talks. Uh He actually appeared and he talked. He helped start those. Um, In that clip where I'm talking to him, uh, one of the original goons, which the goons are the people who run the conference, basically, you know, they Uh keep everything in line. Um, they, they came by. I mean, it's just kind of interesting. Like some of these people have had, you know, they are known almost entirely by their pseudonym.
5: Right, right.
0: Well, hopefully we will see how <laughs> next year fares and we might go from live from DEFCON part two next year. Maybe oh, you can join me. I would, I would love that. That'd be great. Decrypted is based upon work supported by the National Science Foundation under grant number 1433425 for the CyberCore program at the George Washington University. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this material are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of the National Science Foundation.